He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts. Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin, today joined by somebody who... Honestly, I've been I've well, been think, uh, be kind of reluctant to ask to, to come all. on the pod because you know I reached out to to this person Ethan Strauss of he has his Substack formerly of ESPN formerly of the Athletic. Um, I reached out in response to an article or a column he just wrote about Adrian Wojnarowski and just said, "Hey, I'm, I'm glad that you wrote this thing. I was waiting for it, given the news and the news cycle yesterday. I was shocked." Uh, how quickly you responded, and then you were like, "Yeah, sure, I'll hop on the pod tomorrow." And, and it, you just always surprised me with <laughs> with how open you are to, to to people like me talking to you, Ethan. Thank you very much for hopping on. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a conversation optimist. So many good <laughs> things have come to me in my life just by having conversations. So uh, I'm happy to be on. And 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 also, I I did have some curiosities uh, mm-hmm. f- floating around. Um, I, I don't. I'll, I'll just jump right into it. I, I did arrive because I wondered why Laker fans hate Woj. And I, I figured that maybe <laughs> I could learn because I actually don't know as much about all the Woj machinations as people might think. Yeah. Because the way I tend to get these stories is somebody tips me off to them, frankly. So mm-hmm. I, uh, because I noticed when I, when I wrote the story that there were Suns fans and there were, uh, there, there, there were Laker fans. And I was like, we've been saying this and da, 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 da. And it's just, I, so much goes on. There's so much information getting funneled and pushed and traded and everything else that I am. I'm actually by by no means an expert on on all things related to the subject of my story, which maybe I shouldn't be admitting, but is the case. I mean, I, I don't think I think generally speaking, when you're talking about stuff like this, where there are so many layers to it. It's impossible to just be yeah. absolutely informed on on every aspect of it. But yeah, like as it. As it pertains to Woj, so I think there are two there are two trains of thought here. Um, as I have noticed, the same kind of thing. And one train of thought, and I think this is probably the most likely scenario, is that Lakers fans don't like newsbreakers in general because mm. for the last two years the news has mostly been pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I, I think gen, like just kind of generally large landscape from from a thousand miles up. That's kind of how things are going. But then the other thing is, look, you mentioned it in, in your in your column, and you have mentioned it a few times. Woj is very closely tied to CAA. And obviously the Lakers are kind of a, a pseudo-clutch operation yep. and, uh, or a, a, a clutch proxy organization. And, mm-hmm. and I think those two entities banging heads up against each other and, and some of the angles on... The because we know we we see some editorialization from Woj and some of his from some of his leaks and stuff, and I think sometimes Lakers fans feel as if he takes pot shots at the Lakers because they're clutch, that he might not with some other teams out there um, that you know haven't had the amount of success that the Lakers have, even granting how the last two years have gone. So I think those are the two kind of landing spots for me. Yeah. Yeah, and clearly there are things to be criticized about the Lakers, but it is true that there's more to the game. And yeah. for those who do not know, I'm, I'm assuming that most people do. Um, CAA is perhaps the most powerful player agency. And what's kind of funny about them is that they represent a lot of people in media, especially yeah. at ESPN. And Adrian Wojnarowski is one of those people. I, I've said that you can have these affiliations 
and we all have our affiliations. It's impossible we all to have avoid them. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. We all have our conflicts of interest, right? But there's something shady about never admitting that when you mm. have the same agent or agency as the guy you're reporting on, maybe just have a little sentence at the bottom of the story revealing as much. And I'm not saying that I'm pure as the driven snow. There are people in the industry I don't criticize, and it might be because I just think they're a nice guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have like full discretion. I have full discretion uh, at my website to cover any topic. So I'm probably not just going to blast somebody I'm friends with, even if they're worthy of the critique, um, because that's just not how I want to manage the relationships in my life. But where it gets a little bit to me uh, too far is if I'm lying then on their behalf, right? Yeah. Or because I have an association or affiliation, I'm trying to convince people that they're better than they are. And I know I'm doing that. I think that's, that's when you cross the line. And I think part of what people are blanching at is the sense that they're being sold something on the basis of these conflicts of interest. Yeah, just for some quick backstory here. So yesterday, or I guess by now, or the, by the time you guys are listening to this, a couple days ago, the biggest story in sports, I think, was that Kevin Durant walked into uh, or, or had a meeting with Joe Sy, owner of the or governor of the uh, Brooklyn Nets, and instead of walking back any of the the trade request sentiment or or any of that, he essentially threw down the gauntlet and said, "Look." I still want to be traded, but the only way that you won't have to trade me is if you fire Sean Marks and if you fire Steve Nash. Um, and there are still like even while he does that, even while there, you know, you there are now two clear sides and two clear paths that the that Brooklyn can take here. Um, I even beyond that, what I was struck by is. All right, Shams Karania reports this. This is a giant story. Again, I, I would argue uh, because the MLB trade, trade deadline was behind yeah. us, we still aren't quite into where people really care about NFL games quite yet. Um, there's nothing really else going on. So uh, why isn't this something that ESPN would be covering full-throated volume? And not only was it, well, we'll mention it, we'll kind of move on. It was radio silence there was yeah. nothing from anybody and and that was the part like i understand sometimes like you just said certain reporters you know if 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 woge himself isn't that interested in covering this because of his relationship with with uh sean marks okay but what you know who, who should say who who should say is also represented by caa yes we continue yes mm -hmm. yeah so so and and they go way back to when sean was at uh the spurs and 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 the ties that woge has there um, again, as you mentioned in your, in your column, and it wasn't just that Woj wasn't tweeting about it, wasn't leaking anything. There was no counter leaks from Sean. It was nothing from anybody. Yeah. Even as NBA Today was getting ready to do their show, I was about to record with Matt Moore on that day, and I texted him, oh, thank God, we have yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. And you, usually that's how you would think producers at ESPN would react to this. Like, oh, thank God. We don't have to do Western Conference playoff previews or Eastern Conference playoff previews, which is what they chose to do instead. And you noted this. I noted this. Other people in the industry were, were, were noting this. And, and slowly but surely, as more people were, were, were making a note of this, we saw more people coming to the realization of like, wait, that's true. Where is the other? Where is the worldwide leader on this? Yeah. Um, so if you could just kind of quickly, you know, explain 
your theory and and where you where you arrived at how there was no coverage on this whatsoever for going on six hours and even to this point the version of the story that they told doesn't really touch at the most important part of this no no it's it's completely crazy and um i think there there are aspects to what uh i didn't write that maybe i should mention here because back in the day i was a beat writer um and i was a beat writer at espn mm -hmm. and there is intense pressure to get on top of the news when an explosive story comes out when you're at espn and if the main newsbreaker can't cover it they're going to farm it out to somebody like myself a, a, a beat writer yeah. and if it comes from another source it comes from another source if it comes from another publication it comes from another publication you're generally pressured to do it within an hour and you are in trouble if you drag your feet it, mm -hmm. it is not going to be a pleasant conversation the news desks specifically are some of the most acerbic people there i think it's just because it's a hard job but they're going to yeah. be on your ass shams broke this blockbuster story at 11 31 pacific time the first mention of it on the espn nba website and it was very boilerplate and it emphasized i think as you mentioned the wrong thing but the the first mention happened at 5 23 p.m <laughs> <That's insane. laughs> and you just said if you don't get on it in an hour that's an eternity yeah, that's that's crazy. It's the biggest story, clearly of the day, of the week. Yeah, probably of the off season. If we're being real about it, I mean, I don't want to get derailed into people arguing. No, there's it's a it's a big story, clearly, and they just have silence about it for nearly the entire day. Um, and I mean, it's it's staggering. And I, I, I don't want to go too far and say that there was no mention of it on the airwaves because I can't I can't possibly watch yeah. every you know everything that was on ESPN that day. I'm stuck with Coco Melon, so yeah, I, I have no <laughs> <Yeah>. idea. If... <laughs> I I know there were people within ESPN who were reaching out and saying we're not mentioning it on this Sports Center, we're not mentioning it on that Sports Center, and it's hours and hours and hours until Joe Sy tweets out that the staffers of the Brooklyn Nets have his full support. And then finally, it seemed like that that opened up the spigot and they could talk about it. Um, and there are many aspects of this story that I think are rather remarkable. One of them is that we've already been here before. The biggest story of the yes. trade deadline was the trade of Ben Simmons for James Harden between the Nets and the Sixers. And it was one that Adrian Wojnarowski threw his body in front of and basically said that he heard it wasn't happening yeah. when Brian Windhorst, his colleague, said it was happening. Um, and many people believe, who knows what, but many people believe that that was to help Sean Marks with the negotiation and with the leverage. And so there's clearly a relationship here. Now, where it gets a bit tricky is, did this get dictated? I don't know if it got dictated. There's That's almost not no information. way of knowing it. Yeah, that's not information I'm privy to. And I'm not sure that it needs to be dictated. I know that there has been people have been chewed out for reporting on stories that sources, potential sources don't like. And people within ESPN have a sense of who those sources are and how it's a no go zone. So I'm not sure if this was the coach draws up the play on the clipboard or if it's Golden State Warriors, uh, beautiful sort of organized chaos, everybody yeah. knows where to move, right? Without mm -hmm. anybody saying anything. I'm not sure, I'm not certain, but the end result is something that is 
just absolute madness for a sports television company that is talking about the the NBA and trying to find any morsel of content in the most dead part of the sports calendar that you can't talk about Kevin Durant demanding <laughs> that two-time MVP <laughs> Steve Nash, yeah. his coach, be fired. And not just Steve Nash, also the GM of the team, uh, or he's out of there and he's doing it mano a mano. He's doing it face-to-face with the, we now call them governors, I suppose. I mean, that, you're not going to talk about that? You're scared to talk about that? And for, <laughs> for Sean Marks, again, Sean Marks, good reputation, known to be a good guy, smart guy. But this is not, this is not Pat Riley. This is not Jerry right. West, right? This is a complete opposite world view of one's priorities when you're making NBA content. So, I, I'm not looking at it like it's the crime of the century. I'm just looking at it like it's absurd. And fortunately for myself, it's good content for my website. So. <laughs> Which once again, uh, Ethan has his Substack. I subscribe to it. I've really enjoyed the content that comes out of it. In, in particular, this stuff, because yeah, I, I'm always kind of struck with these no fly zones, whether it's CAA as, as it pertains to what we're talking about here, whether it's the things that you can and cannot say about clutch and how, and, and, and how they help run the Lakers, whether it's CAA's impact on the Knicks, whether it's Nico Harrison, um, sliding in with, with Dallas and how things have changed in Dallas, like these, these power brokers that everybody knows, like at this point, I think most people covering the sport, know and are privy to how different things and, 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 and different strings are pulled across the NBA. But for some reason, we aren't really allowed to, to explicitly state, yeah, yeah, Anthony Davis isn't going to get traded for Kevin Durant because he's clutch. Like this is, that's yeah. why it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and every time, and every time you, you say something like that, somebody's out there clutching their pearls, like, oh, how dare you, <laughs> how dare you come to that conclusion? We were being told stories with some of the main characters edited out of the stories. Yeah. And again, I, 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 not the crime of the century, maybe, but it just makes for incomplete stories and it makes for uh, feigned ignorance from the people telling the stories. And yeah. it's just so easy for somebody like myself who's non affiliated to say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's why that's what's going on there. And I'm even open to certain, I don't look at it. If we talk about clutch as, they're the 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 just evil or bad. No. I I even think they that a lot championship. Of the, <laughs> I, yeah, I think a lot of the Lakers' problems are more rooted in the people uh, in ownership. Yeah, and that clutch, despite whatever conflicts of interest and issues that they bring uh, that they bring to bear, was a steady force that, as you said, helped them win a championship. And so it's complicated. The clutch yeah. Lakers story is complicated, right? But you gotta know you gotta know that there's a deeper level to this game as you said they are a, a, a proxy for clutch in this broader war against caa and the knicks are caa and there's this whole other level to the action and what's going on and there's something frustrating to me about the journalists in many instances uh pretending not to know because they all know you know they yeah. get together at summer league what do you think people are talking about they're talking about all this stuff Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to go back a second because you you mentioned, hey, it might not have been directly dictated that nobody is talking about this. It might have just been a form of habit, right? I listened to you on, on the Basco, Basketball Illuminati show 
and and Amin used the uh, analogy to the monkeys that get trained through um, being electroshocked, right? Yeah, the electrified bananas or whatever the, uh, the right. It was a great analogy, whatever it was. It was. It was. I'm not doing it any justice, um, but I guess for me, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter why. Yeah. It, what matters here is that for six hours, if you get your content from ESPN and solely ESPN, you didn't know that this was a thing. And um, now I think at this point in, in, in media consumption, almost nobody solely relies on a single platform to get all of their stuff. But if the loudest voice in the room is choosing not to cover something from the top down, nobody, I think, I think that calls into question how capable they are of covering almost anything from here on. Oh out. yeah. It was con what I heard was mostly confusion that there were people who, because you hear about this, maybe you're a fan uh, of the NBA, your friend texts you about it. A lot of people kind of like when there is some calamitous event, they, they go to the news station, right? Mm -hmm. um, they, they turn on ESPN. They were sort of confused. There was a sense of, well, I, they're not talking. Is this real? You know, is yeah. this actually happening? Because they're pretending like it's not happening. And to which you say, I do think it should make people who are really hardcore fans. And I think the people who follow this show uh, almost certainly are, yes. um, you the know, best fans, savvy, obviously. the best fans, the best <laughs> fans in the world, um, just savvy about, wait a second. Um, if they say this happened, if they say this trade happened, then okay, that trade happened. I'm not going to doubt that. Um, but a lot of the other stuff and the reasons, everything else uh, is very much colored by these affiliations that they are not telling us about, yes. which I think is an indicator that something shady is going on. Again, I, I don't, I'm not saying you can't be repped by whoever or, or anything like that. I'm saying if you find the need to never share that info, I think we can assume that that info is playing a role in the coverage. I would say um, if a superstar was coming to me and they really cared about their reputation, I, I mean, I've never really had any run-ins with an NBA superstar who cared about their reputation, but let's say hypothetically, <laughs> if an NBA superstar was coming to me and they said, I care about my reputation, what agency should I go with? I would say, well, if you care about what's on ESPN, I think you should probably go with CAA. Yep. You know, if that's what you care about, if that's what you're into, because and it's it's a little bit nuanced. I think some of the TV people are so big that they don't care. And yeah. maybe Stephen A. Stephen A is going to blast whoever he's going to blast. But the a lot of people, especially on the digital side, it will be a factor. You will get more favorable coverage on average if you're with CAA than if you're with some of these other agencies. And everybody knows it who is in the know. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know. ESPN has been trying for years to scratch the surface of what uh, has made uh, TNT's coverage as successful as it's been, as as endearing as it's been. They've been, you know, I don't know how many iterations of the pregame and postgame and, and halftime show they have gone through. Yeah. I don't know how, you know, how many combinations of hosts and tones of the show that they have gone through. And for me, you know, I think they're always going to be starting from they're always going to be operating from a point of weakness when compared to T to, to TNT's guys, because those guys, like they don't, Chuck doesn't care. Like Chuck, it doesn't matter yeah. what affiliations, friendships he has. If he feels that he needs to say something about a certain player or a certain about uh, something certain about a team 
while he has his own biases, obviously you having covered the Warriors and, and having heard mm. the things that he has said about the Warriors yeah. comes to mind. He has his own biases, but at the end of the day, you never feel like no. what he's saying is contrived. And yeah. every time I turn on, on, uh, you know, any kind of ESPN product that is supposed to be competing with that, I feel like, all right, there's another step to this analysis that isn't being taken because that might rub so-and-so the wrong way. And I just think that's something that's very easy for the audience to pick up on. It's the difference, frankly, between Steph and LeBron. Everything mm -hmm. LeBron does feels very contrived and very planned and very thought out, whereas... yeah. Steph will hop on holy moly and, and fight with Muppets for an hour and, <laughs> and be perfectly, uh, you know, self-deprecating through that in a way that feels real. And, and I think that's something that, that really matters here. I think that's a great point. And not everybody can even articulate it when they sense it, but we do sense authenticity. And I think especially in this day and age when everybody feels quite watched and they start modulating what they're saying to being watched, we value one's honesty in the giving of their opinion even more than how good the opinion is i mean chuck yeah. says a bunch of stuff that's totally wild um sometimes he says that uh, these other sports are his favorite sport or he's not watching this or he's not watching that but ultimately we just want to feel like we know you when you're talking yes and that's what everybody senses when they when they watch him and it's also it helps that he's the funniest former athlete in the history of sports i think one of the also, funniest people on tv frankly yeah, yeah he's just just a naturally hilarious uh talent and so but it, it's it just matters so much that we feel as though you're not trying to be somebody else when you talk to us and that is a very rare quality right now and maybe espn espn i don't even know what they could do at this at this point to compete with insider i think the passing of uh of kobe mm -hmm. uh might have maybe shut that door because perhaps if espn had kobe then then things would be different but they don't really have these major former athletes and then they have all these other considerations and i don't hate everything they got going on by the way i mean yeah, I, think, I think some of it's good I think Kendrick Perkins has some Chuck to his game where I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with the takes, but I kind of feel like he just says, he says whatever he's going to say. Um, he's going to, and he laughs he, at himself. He, like, yeah, he, he la yeah, he does. He laughs at himself. If he's wrong, like he, he has no problem saying like, Ooh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> when Chuck with Chuck, cause they always keep track of his like bets off to the side over there. Right. And, and they, and they, and it's genius, honestly, that they do this. And it's, and, and it's part of what makes Chuck Chuck is that, you know, he can look to that board and be like, gosh, I really said Portland's going to win a championship. Huh? How about that? <laughs> that's, that's a choice that I made. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just, I, I think there's real value in that self-deprecation. Um, I, I also kind of wanted to move on here and yep. again, as it pertains to this story and, and coverage around the league, we're without getting too into the weeds of, of woe is me, what is journalism in 2022, mm. but if you're if just for the typical consumer who maybe hops on Twitter every so often gets Woj notifications, I would say gets gets Sean's notification notifications, Stein um, and Haynes. I think those are the three or four yeah. four people who I think most people, if they get notifications from Twitter, every tweet that somebody sends, those are the four people. But I the the person that stands out 
there to me, and I wanted to talk to you specifically about this because you have a Substack. is when I read something that Mark writes, mm. I never, and, and look, if we want to, if we want to talk cop to biases here, Mark mm. is one of the nicest people that I know, and he's a fellow Titan. So, Very, so <laughs> incredibly nice guy. Yeah. But, but when I, when I read, you know, one of his columns or when he's, when he's offering up the, the details that he knows about it, I never feel like there's some kind of push to like, Hey, just, just don't try to appease this person over here, but try to make it also click worthy and try to do all of this. It just feels like it's Mark. Like, and, and that's what I enjoy about your Substack. It's like, oh. it's you, there, there are things yeah. that you and I disagree on, but I never feel like, well, it feels like some editor is pushing him in this direction that he doesn't necessarily want to go in, whereas, or, or some source is pushing him in a direction that he doesn't necessarily want to go in. And I think that's something that this Substack era is really going to offer is kind of a way of balancing out some of that, those contrivances. I, yeah. Is that something that pulled you in that direction? I don't know, but I'm, I'm hoping that it can have that impact and that maybe the competition of it will cause some of these institutions to try to get back more towards uh, covering whatever they're covering. I mean, you mentioned Mark. I feel like Mark is is covering the league and he's yeah. doing those uh, those columns of this is what's going on. This is what these teams are doing. And I mean, to be clear, Zach Lowe also does a great oh, yeah. job of that. I mean, yeah. like that. That, that's something that exists, but you can feel as though the mandate has gotten away from there, that it, Zach Lowe is doing that because he's been such a roaring success. But if there was no Zach Lowe at ESPN right now, they would not be looking for somebody to do that. They would just mm -hmm. be chasing the notification game, right? So uh, it's I just don't think that's worked out for them monetarily. Far be it for me to tell them their business, but... I think that there is money to be made to say nothing of just making people uh, entertained with writing, uh, writing about a subject with intense interest um, and curiosity. Um, and to be clear, I don't want to lead anybody astray. My Substack is pretty weird. It's just whatever I'm kind of thinking and doing. So it's not like I'm covering the league in the way that Mark mm -hmm. is. But I, I would, I would like if the coverage trended more towards what Mark's doing and away from what I'm seeing at some of the big outlets. Yes. Yeah. There, there's almost a, a bravery. I, well, there, there clearly is a bravery in, in being a couple of the first people to go that route and, and have that amount of success. So I applaud you and, and Stein and everybody who's, I'm the person who stuck my, my neck out there for a little bit. Vox came calling and I was like, you know what? Uh, a, a dental plan sounds nice, but <laughs> that's okay too, by the way, <laughs> there should be all those options, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's wrong to think, Right, because right now you hear Draymond, he keeps saying new media, new media, and, yeah. and it's smart branding when he's saying new media, the athletes, you know, we were going to flush out the old media. Mm -hmm. It's time for the new media. And by I the way, who go, wins between the uh, 96 Bulls and the 2016? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the most old media question of them all. But yeah. I, I, I don't look at it that way. It's no, the athletes, the X jocks are not just going to supplant. Colin Cowherd and Stephen A. Smith. Mm -hmm. Colin Cowherd and Stephen A. Smith are really good at what they do. Yeah. But they can augment what those other guys are doing. They can present another option. And that's how I view Substack. I, I look at it as, oh, this is a good place to do something a little bit different and something that might influence uh, what's happening at these bigger institutions. 
but I don't see it as completely upending and um, replacing any of that. I mean, that would be impossible, especially from my sub stack. I, I, I barely cover the league. I just, again, I just do whatever, whatever I think is interesting enough that somebody might share a column with their friend. Um, but yeah. And this is another question. I, I'm not sure if the sub stack impact has been felt in sports nearly as much as politics. And I don't know if yeah. it will be right. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we've been lucky enough. Uh, Mark and I have been lucky enough to have some success, but I don't think that's happened as of yet. And maybe it will, and maybe it won't, but I'm not even sure if it will. So I think that's an open question going forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be clear here, I think, I think Mark is unique in his ability to do this because he has so much gravitas and so much cachet from, from, you know, now he said 30 years in the NBA. And like you said a second ago, your, your sub stack is not so much an NBA sub stack as much as it is an Ethan Strauss sub stack. Sub stack. It's just, it's Pretty just, much. you know, what, whatever comes to mind, whatever topic is your that, that you feel like hasn't had your spin on it yet. You know, you just kind of go in where, where your mind takes you. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know that, I think it's it the success to this point for you and Mark has been pretty unique. I'm not positive that it's replicable, but I also think you guys have had enough success and others in it. I know Blake Harris, who covers the Dodgers, is having some some success with Substack. Um, I think there's enough success out there that might draw people in that direction. I think that's all that we can possibly hope for at this point. You know that, that there's there's a there's a carrot out there that people can say, well. I'm sick of doing it this way and there's enough success to do it that way. All right, let's give this a go. Yeah. I, people in the industry have been asking me about it because sometimes they're curious about making the leap and I don't, I don't BS them. I think it is not easy to carve out a niche. You ultimately, the, the simplest way to put it is you need to have stuff behind the paywall that cannot be found elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is, that is just, that's the basic thing. Sounds easy, right? It sounds simple enough. Just have, <laughs> have something that nobody else has, yeah. but actually doing it, uh, could be a bit of a taller order, but if you can find a, yeah, you can, can find a lane, uh, then you can have some success there. But I, like I said, it's something I am legitimately uncertain about. Um, it, we might be having the same conversation three years from now and, oh my God, all these sports sub stacks really popped and it's become a viable competitor, but I don't know. There's something about Substack and how it's been more, uh, just more influential in the political space. And for people who found themselves not exactly fitting in, uh, to political media, but, um, sports in whether sports can have that more independent platform. We just don't know as of yet. Yeah. Well, the, the, the reliance there is on, is still on the sports brand, the team brand, right? I would be going to Substack and I'd be writing about the Lakers. And do I offer anything different about the Lakers that somebody would f feel the need to pay for? You know, that's, that's the concern. Um, before, before we get you out of here, I want to ask one, one last thing here um, on, on where things are going here. Having, Having done the the beat reporter thing, having now done the Substack thing, having always been kind of unique in 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 both of those efforts, the 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 Lakers and Warriors relationship is one. Mm. It it doesn't help obviously that they've <laughs> never been good at the same time. Like they're they're yeah. this weird like Hitchcock form of like where where, where Will Smith. And Charlize Theron can't be in the room at the same time and both be strong. They they like lose their yeah. powers. 
but but I I'm curious from where you've been watching this, um, the league probably desperately wants the Warriors and the Lakers to figure this out at the same time. They want that West Coast presence. They they want something that that really kind of brings the the Steph and LeBron circle uh, thing full circle. And I'm just I'm wondering. Is it even possible? Like it, 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 they're just so they're so different mm. in in approach, and the Lakers are right now such a mess that I just don't necessarily see it happening. But do you think if the Lakers and the Warriors were good at the same time, do you think it would pop in the oh, way yeah. that maybe ESPN is or, or 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 the NBA would be hoping for? I don't know if it would pop like Cavs versus Warriors because I mean my theory on what resonates is it's about contrast. Yeah, uh, Duke versus North Carolina. You've got the hoity-toity conservative private, private school, school mm-hmm. versus the liberal public school. Um, Lakers versus the Sacramento Kings was the most watched Western Conference Finals of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they think, I remember, um, I think David Stern was asked, who do you want in the finals? And he quipped the Lakers versus Lakers the Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. It, because the idea is big market, more people. And yeah, big market attracts more people, but it's not that simple. People get drawn into things through story. And the story of an epic contrast, Hollywood, superstar Shaq and Kobe versus humble, scrappy Sacramento, that's more Mm -hmm. appealing to people. I think you retain a little bit of that because LeBron and Steph are such contrasts of the era and people like the idea of those two uh, duking it out. So I think that that would still be pretty appealing. I just don't know if it would be appealing on the level of uh, Silicon Valley versus uh, working class (laughs) Ohio and and everything else. People, I mean, a lot of it is just total BS, but people attach a lot, right? They attach Mm -hmm. a lot of meaning to it and that helps it become all the more, all the more resonant. I hope the Lakers can get there. I mean, that one play in game was uh, very, very compelling. Yeah, that popped. So I think um, there's the energy there. Uh, it's just a matter of actually having it happen. Yeah, the thing that makes it odd is that somehow Steph being the 6'2", 6'3", kind of skinny guy, he's bigger now, but kind of skinny guy, he's somehow the villain. Like he's, LeBron is somehow the underdog because LeBron keeps yeah. getting in his own way. But but he's somehow the underdog who who brought Cleveland into that mix against Silicon Valley. And now he would be dragging this incompetent Lakers franchise into that spotlight once again through kind of sheer will. And yet you look at the two players side by side and it's like, wait, that, yeah. that guy should be the, the, the underdog. Well, the, the, the little guy should be the well, underdog. That, that's maybe why it's such a great contrast is that yeah. it's almost pushing and pulling at all these weird different levels where, wait, the overdog is the underdog, but the underdog is the overdog. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it was just such great alchemy for the NBA when those guys were going against each other in the finals. And it would be pretty damn good if they were going against each other in a, in a Western Conference finals. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate you, Ethan, for hopping on. I want to give you one more opportunity to, to plug what it is that you're doing um, on your sub stack. It's, it's fantastic. Like I said a second ago. Um, I subscribe to it, and, and while I don't always agree with all of the points, I just I just enjoy the bravery that's associated with, you know what? This is what I'm thinking about today. And instead of writing a 27-tweet thread, I'm going to hop on here, and I'm going to turn it into a, a thoughtful piece of, 
of writing. So I appreciate the work that you do there. Uh, give everybody a quick overview of, of what you're doing. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much uh, for those kind words. And yeah, I think it did. The whole thing is born out of hating tweeting. So uh, that might have been an inspiration. <laughs> it's houseofstrauss.substack.com. Houseofstrauss.substack.com. I'm coming up on the year anniversary uh, of having launched wow. this humble venture. Um, and what is on the docket? I'm not sure. I'm working on something about how I think uh, working from home uh, is potentially very good and societally mm -hmm. changing, uh, society, society changing in a potentially positive way. So that's the, the weird thing I'm working on. Although I, like it. I might do, I might do a follow up on the Woj thing. I mean, those, those articles do pretty well, <laughs> so we shall see. I appreciate that. You also wrote one about the Lakers and Jeannie Buss and, and, and that inner circle, um, mm. that at some point I would like to talk to you about, um, again, but that would be a whole different conversation. So, We'll save that for then. Thank you very much for hopping on, Ethan. I greatly appreciate it. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. You will check out a lowdown here in a little bit or later tonight. One more episode of The Hook. And, and that'll get us through the rest of the week. So until then, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.